This is Dominic Dajakovic, and I want you to feast your eyes and ears on Aaron and Tom on the Hot Tag Hooligans Wrestling Podcast Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Hot Tag Hooligans Wrestling Podcast Show. My name is Aaron. Joined us with me, as always, is Tom. Tonight, we have a very special guest. It's Angela Lane. How's it going? It's going good. How are you guys? Pretty good. good. Pretty good. So where are you at tonight? I am uh, right outside of Atlanta, Georgia. It's, so can, we, can you tell us who has won Georgia? Can you please tell us? No one else can tell us. <laughs> Can you tell the Kanye win? Tell me, the Kanye win? Kanye did not win. He dropped ah. out last I saw. <laughs> I thought it was going to be yeah. a swerve coming. I know, right? I, know. I, I saw, last I saw, um, he got less votes than D's Nuts did in 2016. So that's something. <laughs> he actually got 5,000 votes where I'm at in Kentucky. And I, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe that's it. That's wild. It is. That's wild. wild. Yeah. Hey, but we're still waiting on Georgia and Nevada. I, I made I a post. That. I made a post earlier that y'all must be using common math or that uh, new that, to try to. Yeah. Oh my god. It's something. Last I saw, it was like 0.1 percent difference in Georgia, and I'm like, come on, guys, just just get it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very close right now. So yeah. during these times in the pandemic, with everything going on. I know that you were set to wrestle for St. Louis Anarchy coming up. Uh, talk to us a little bit how, about how the pandemic has affected your career right now. Um, it, it honestly just sort of put my career on hold. Like, I made my comeback almost exactly a year ago. Um, so I retired in November of 2018 because I was originally told that my neck injury was I was done. I was done for good that I wasn't, I wasn't gonna be able to come back from it. So I, you know, with the advice from my doctors and after talking to like friends and family, you know, I was obviously like, okay, well, this is, this is it. It's the best decision for me. Um, so I retired at St. Louis Anarchy. Um, cause that was home for me. It was where I made the biggest strides in my career. Um, and if you've ever heard me like talk about St. Louis Anarchy, it's basically where I felt like Angela Lane was basically born and created and where I really got like my footing as Angela Slane. Um, so that's where I made the decision to retire. And then um, when I found out that I could actually like start training again, even just to see how it felt, even just to see if a comeback was possible, um, I called up Matt Jackson, um, the owner of St. Louis Anarchy, not the Young Buck. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, not the Young Buck. We always have to make that uh, differentiation. And I was like, hey, uh, there's this like tiny, tiny glimmer of hope. Um, if I can come back, is there a place for me there? And he was like, absolutely, always. You don't even have to ask that question. Um, so that sort of got like the ball rolling. And then I made my comeback almost a year to the day at St. Louis Anarchy in November of 2019. And then um, I had my actual first match back in December not at Anarchy, just uh, I did a charity show in December in um, Connecticut. And then January came around, I was wrestling 
February came around, I was wrestling. Um, and then I wrestled March 7th. And that was the last match I had before the pandemic hit. And then everything just stopped. And then I didn't wrestle for six months. And then I wrestled Nolan Edward at Action Wrestling in what became the most violent match in company history. And that was my first match back in six months. And in like that six months off, I don't know if I just felt like I needed to make up for lost time. If I was just like stewing because here I had this like storybook comeback from this injury that I wasn't supposed to come back from. And this flip had just switched. And I was like, okay, well, I already lost wrestling once and I clearly just don't have anything else to lose. So I'm just going to go out there and I guess beat the shit out of everybody and myself or what. But like Nolan and I just, I threw bombs and murdered each other and that's kind of just I guess where my head's at in wrestling now <laughs> but um I don't I don't know I guess that's kind of where my my mind's at is like I lost wrestling once the pandemic kind of like put the brakes on everything else again for me so I guess I'm just not scared at this point to lose it again because of losing it and then the pandemic and then it's just I don't know that's that's where it is for me. <laughs> now, now, what exactly was your injury to your neck? Um, so I have always had really bad migraines. And as I've gotten older, because I, I guess I got them genetically from my parents. And then as I've gotten older, they had gotten worse. And so I finally like sought out care for them because I was getting them almost seven days a week. And some days I'd be able to get rid of them. And the other days I was down for the count 24 hours of the day. And so I finally went and saw a specialist and they were like, okay, well, we need to run this series of tests. We want an MRI. So they did an MRI on my um, brain and on my neck. And when the MRI on my neck came back, they were like, when did you break your neck? And I was like, I, I haven't. And they were like, but you have. And I was like, um, I'm sorry. So then they did more like x-rays and like, a mo like more extensive testing on my neck. And they basically found out that at some point in my wrestling career, I had broken my neck and it hadn't healed correctly because I hadn't, I didn't know. So I never sought care on it. And in that um, there was like some nerve issues from the healing. And then that was leading to like some migraine issues. And so basically from there, they were like, this isn't ever going to correct itself because of what had happened. And I was just like, oh, okay, well that sucks. So then I had to start going in and getting like these series of injections into my neck where they basically like, inserted needles into my cervical spine like while I was out and then into the needles they then inserted other needles and then injected steroids basically into like all the nerves into my neck and I've had that done three times now so I've had a total of like 30 33 or 34 injections basically into my c-spine to kind of relax what was like messed up and then fix the nerves and like it's like a whole to do and one time like you don't have to go out for the procedure they kind of just like numb everything and like shut you down and I'm like staring at the floor of the operating room and the second time they were going to do it I wasn't out and they were like but I was like numb and they were like okay we're going to start and I was like no no the first time I was out I don't want to know I don't want to know that you're doing any of this because they have to like place everything and then they take you over for an x-ray to make sure it's like placed correctly and then if it's not they pull everything out and then replace it and like realign and I was like no 
I'm not being awake for any of this. That's disgusting. Like I would, I would freak out. I'd have like a full blown like panic attack. So I've had that done three different times just because they wanted to like make sure all the nerving and like disc everything is like, I guess being realigned correctly and fixed. So far, so good. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. So obviously you feel pretty comfortable still uh, getting in the ring and, and having violent matches and stuff. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about intergender wrestling because I know you've had some classic matches with some great people uh, like Keith Lee and Gary J. Uh, how, how did those type of matches differ from wrestling the women? And is that something you prefer or is it just something that uh, you're okay with doing when the, when the story calls for it? Um, I've been really lucky in some of the intergender matches that I've gotten to have, like you said, with like Keith Lee, Gary J, um, Darren Corbin, people like that. Um, I love intergender wrestling. I've always loved intergender wrestling. Um, my career kind of had to start out that way because when I first started out, there just weren't very many options, um, for female opponents where I was at. Um, and I feel like when I was, when I first started my career, because I, like was put into so many intergender matches I was kind of led to believe that like wrestling women was like not the way to go um because I just didn't have the variety of like women's opponents because it just it just wasn't there and then obviously like when I started branching out from like the little bitty area that I started wrestling in I realized like there are like more women to wrestle there are more talented women to wrestle and the options are endless um I don't think I have a preference anymore. Like I, I feel like really early on in my career, I was like, I only want to wrestle guys because I feel like I have better matches that way. And I feel like it was just a really like narrow mindset to have. Um, I really don't have a preference anymore because I think there is such a, a vast talent pool nowadays. Um, I, I don't think, I think there are like differences in the two be, because obviously like, I say obviously, I guess there. I don't know. I was going to say there's certain things that I feel like some guys can do that the girls can't do, but I don't think that's a thing anymore. Um, because you, you see uh, like the women competitors like Jordan Grace going out there and doing the exact same things that like her male counterparts can do. So honestly, no, I don't think there is, there is a difference in it anymore because I feel like the women have made up such a big gap that that used to be there because I feel like you do have trainers out there now that do train their their female um trainees the same way that they, they train their male trainees and I think that's great because I don't feel like there should be a difference anymore because I feel like you you've had the women coming up like Candice LeRae who have proven that no matter their size or their stature that they can do the same things that the guys can do and you have the women out there like Mia Yim who has come up the same way and done the same things that her male counterparts have do, done so I think it's great um and I wouldn't want anyone to look at me and be like uh well I think that, you know, Angela Slane could do this, but she's a woman, so she can't do that. Um, so, no, I'm, I was going to say probably something really stupid at first, but, you know, the more I think about it, I wouldn't want anybody to say something stupid like that about me and, and disparage me because I'm a woman. So, no, nah. I, I feel like sometimes the old mindset is still there, but then, like, the more I think about it, it's just, like, that's such a dumb way to think about it, the way that women's wrestling has evolved so much. I kind of I kind of look at it like um, there's just some different ways you can tell the story. Uh, yeah. And same way with uh, 
Rey Mysterio versus like Brock Lesnar. It's a different type of story if you know you're wrestling Keith Lee than if right. you're wrestling Candice LeRae. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you know it doesn't matter who your opponent is; it's what story you tell in the ring. Exactly. So. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even if I was having like an intergender match. I wouldn't approach a match with Keith Lee the same way I'd approach a match with Gary J. Um, because there is a size discrepancy just in those two opponents alone. Um, so again, I wouldn't approach a match with like um, a Piper Niven the same way I would approach a match with, with like Candice LeRae, you know, because again, there is a difference in A, their wrestling styles and B, the size of the opponent. So it's just, it, you would just approach it as they're, everyone's, again, nowadays, everyone is a wrestler. Everyone is out there to wrestle. And no one goes into it as their gender or as what they identify as. Um, they're just out there to wrestle. And I think that that is, I think, what inter like what independent wrestling is nowadays. And you have so many like non-binary wrestlers out there now that are incredible talents that I think it doesn't need to be defined by anyone's gender nowadays either. On the flip side of that, you mentioned Mia Yim. You've been in the ring with some of the the top names in professional wrestling right now on the women's side, the Mia Yims, the Kaylee Rays, the Kylie Rays, the Jordan Graces. Talk to us a little bit about some of those matches and what you've taken from some of those matches throughout the years to help with your confidence or to just help raise their games more. Um, I feel like every time I was in the ring with any of those women, they – they push me to be a, a better opponent and they um, always like showed me that to just almost have confidence in myself because anytime I feel like anytime I went to get into the ring with them, I was always kind of like questioning whether I even belonged in the ring with them. And I feel like every single time um, I would go into that match with like that little bit of self doubt and I would come out of that match being like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I, I did this or I did that, or, you know, like apologizing. And there would always be that moment where they, one of them would just be like, no, stop. It's fine. Like it was, it was great. Like you did fine. Or like, this was great. Or the match was great. Or, you know, and there would always just be that moment where it's like, okay, like I, at this point, I'm, I'm my own biggest enemy. Like I need to realize that like, I, I'm the only thing like holding myself back. And I think that, um, it, it was always a good moment of like women supporting women, um, which, uh, I think has always been a really good like message in the industry of just like building each other up. And especially when it comes in, like to the ring, because when you're in the ring with somebody like that, you know, you have to be able to trust each other. You have to be able to like help each other out. Um, and I think we would always, there was always the moment of like giving each other ideas, helping each other out. Um, and like Mia was on, uh, Mia was at one of the all women shows that I did where I wrestled Rain in the main event. And Mia actually helped me in moments in that match of just like coming up with ideas and putting stuff into that match. And I think like that was just another moment of she didn't have to be there in that moment to like help me come up with something, but she was, and she was there to like help me be a better wrestler in that moment. And I'm, that's something I've still never forgotten. And because I was incredibly nervous because Rain was one of my dream matches. And I was kind of like, I'm, you know, in that moment, I was like, oh, my nerves are getting the better of me. I'm kind of just blanking, but this is what I have up until here. And she's like, oh, okay, I got you. Let's talk about it. 
okay, I've got this. What do you think? And I was like, perfect. Great. Thank you. And it's just always been, I've always come out of those kinds of matches, like with Jordan, with Mia, with Kylie Ray, being a better wrestler. And uh, I, that's the stuff I've never forgotten. Outside of Tessa Blanchard and outside of Jordan Grace, a lot of major promotions are not allowing the intergender wrestling. Uh, those are two names that come to mind as far as that goes. But on the independent scene, it is the norm. Uh, when you look at talent, even the young talent coming up, like the Billy Starks and Alice Crowley's and those young girls, they're already intergender wrestling. What is it so mm -hmm. different about independent wrestling where you're just not, they're not scared to push that bubble? Is it just the, the backing that the WWE has, the promotional side of it, that they're just too scared perhaps or what? Um, I think you see it. It comes around, I feel like, every three to six months on Twitter. You see the argument of um, intergender wrestling getting, like, hated on or getting flacked because it promotes domestic violence. Um, and I think that that's probably what uh, the WWE tries to, like, steer clear of when it comes to intergender wrestling is they don't want to have to have, like, a dog in that fight of trying to say that they're promoting domestic violence or, or anything like that. Um, whereas I feel like they, they don't want to have to have that fight or have that conversation and they don't want to have to have the conversation um, necessarily when it comes to being like, no, it, it, there's consent involved because the woman agreed to the match, the man agreed to the match, they're both in there equally. And I mean, you, you have the moments where they're like tease it, where like Candace gets involved in Johnny's matches or they've had like those little things like that. Um, but I just think they don't want to have like the bigger picture conversation of it doesn't promote domestic violence because consent is involved. And I think that possibly that conversation doesn't want to be had because of the certain personal decisions members of their rosters have made that they haven't taken action on that came out in like the speaking out movement or things in the past or, you know, things <laughs> like that. Um, but I also just think that it's always going to be like the taboo thing in wrestling. And that's not, I mean, we've all seen that the WWE never goes for like the taboo kind of thing. They always try to like, kind of go with like the straight and narrow, despite the fact that one of their biggest superstars was a dead man that shot lightning out of his hands for 20 years or whatever. But I mean, it's, I just think it's one of those things that no matter how much it, it thrives on the indies or excels on the indies, there's always that market of fans that every six months will have the argument in wrestling that A, it's not believable and B, it promotes domestic violence. And I think that that's, that's where they draw the line on believability is that a man can't beat a woman or a woman can't beat a man, I'm sorry. And that the, the domestic violence thing. And it's just as frustrating as it is that they've kind of, I think, dug their heels in on it and it just won't ever go that way. Well, I, for one, am a huge fan of intergender wrestling, and I think it promotes uh, women being equal to men, and I think that you guys do a great job of spreading that message, and I'm hoping that eventually it won't be taboo, um, because I think the more and more that we do accept it as wrestling fans and talk about the positives, that it'll hopefully reach that level. Um, I mean, with Impact, you know, they're on national TV and they're, they've went with it, you know, and we'll just have to see what happens. But I, I'm with you on that. I, I think that's what, what they need to do. 
a hundred percent. I think, I think the more that if they actually got behind it or they like showed even in the slightest bit that like it's believable. And I, I mean, I think they tease it again with Candace interfering with Johnny stuff and like getting over just a little bit on some of the guys. Um, I think even if they just had the littlest bit of it, and I mean, they kind of did with China in the early 2000s. Oh boy. Um, they kind of did just a little bit with China, but again, China was a, a little more, um, she was a little bit taller. She was a little bit more in shape. She was a little bit jacked. Like they did with her, you know, in the early 2000s, the Attitude Era thing. Um, but again, I don't think we'll ever circle back around to that. I don't think we'll ever get that back. And I think that China was kind of like the one in a million chance that we had at it. Um, I don't think we'll ever, I, I say never, but I don't think we'll get much of an opportunity of it in the current era. But I think if they just gave it a chance and the fans just embraced it, I think we might, we would stand a chance. But, you know, I mean, I find it super realistic because there's several of y'all that would kill me in a, in a fight. So, <laughs> I mean, to me, it's about as realistic as anything. So, right. I mean, there's again, like you, uh, everyone, like when the argument happens on Twitter, everyone like brings up like superhero movies or just like action movies in general that has like a female protagonist. Like, no one throws a fit when those kinds of things come around, and like, no one's gonna throw a fit on Twitter when the Black Widow movie comes out and be like, this promotes domestic violence because men are beating her up. Like, if you just approach it the same manner that you kind of like approach watching movies, it, it, it's no big deal. But again, I think people want to complain about certain things and then don't about others when it comes to like entertainment purpose type issues. Last week, Kylie Ray stepped aside from professional wrestling and everyone wants to wish her the best and whatever decision she makes. You're someone who had to step away due to your neck, and you talked about that earlier. How hard is it for someone, especially in the independents, who doesn't have the solid financial backing as a big-time contract, how mentally challenging is it to be an independent wrestler? Um, how mentally challenging is it? It, um... It can vary, I think, from person to person. For me, um, personally, it, it, it can get really rough, honestly. It definitely has its moments. Um, before I stepped away, it definitely had its moments where I very much was unsure if this was the thing for me or not. Um, there were times where I was, especially when I didn't know like what was wrong with my head, what was wrong with my neck, why I was in so much pain all the time because pain can definitely like wear you down as a person just in general, um, where I just didn't know if I was making the right decision. If I just didn't know, I just didn't know if going to the bookings was the smart call for me. I, I didn't know if continuing on was the right decision. And then when I found out that obviously it wasn't the right decision because there was something physically wrong with me. Um, and then even when I was training for the comeback, I had moments of doubt where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I should be doing this again. Um, it, it can really honestly tear you apart sometimes where you just don't know if you're built for it. And I've even told people before um, that I honestly could probably have never gotten signed 
mentally because there's no way that I could have endured the traveling and the schedule and the um, just the onslaught of what it takes because there's just times where um, just with like my depression and anxiety, I feel like it would have just overwhelmed me. It would have just been too much um, just because there's times where like I had like a four show weekend and just that alone took so much out of me on an independent level that I couldn't have imagined what having like a full-time actual contract schedule would have been like for me. Um, and then also you subject yourself like voluntarily to the onslaught of people of social media. And sometimes that can just be brutal. And like we as independent wrestlers do it voluntarily. And I feel like a lot of times there's this disconnect for people when it comes to things like Twitter or Instagram comments or things like that, where they forget that like, you're just a person and that you you voluntarily like put on spandex and throw yourself around because you love wrestling and you want to entertain people and you want to do this and it's something that you've probably wanted to do since you were a kid and that you then may do it for $20 or you may do it for $50 or you know whatever your your fee is or whatever you got paid and then you drove however many hours or, you know, did whatever, spent however much time away from home, did all of that voluntarily to then open whatever social media app to have someone tell you that you're fat or your match sucked or, you know, get your teeth fixed or whatever, like, awful thing they decided to throw at you that day. And then at the end of the day, you're just like, okay, well, cool. Like, is this all worth it? And then then you have moments and you have people and you have fans where it's just like, okay, it, it, it does kind of make up for everything because you are living your dream. You are doing what you, you know, told your childhood self you were going to do. You do do it because you love it. And you have fans that do appreciate you, you know, you feel the love and, you know, it, it does kind of pay off at the end of the day, but there, there's moments where you are just broken down and beat up and sad. And you're just like, ugh why am I here? What am I doing? What is happening? And it can really get to you and it can really weigh on you and it, it can take a really big toll on your mental health. And I think it's good to just keep yourself grounded and surround yourself um, with people that can, can help you with that as well. And also to just disconnect sometimes and step away from it sometimes. And before I even actually retired in November of 2018, I'd already deleted my Twitter months and months prior to that just because I was so wrapped up in what people were saying to me on Twitter and then also just the drama of Twitter that I I was in such a negative mind that, that it was just taking a horrible toll on my mental health and where I was already at with the physical pain and being worn out that I just had to get rid of it so well before I let you go tonight we're gonna leave on a positive note I'm gonna do some rapid fire questions okay Okay, and then we'll get you out of here. If you weren't a professional wrestler, what occupation would you want to be in? Oh, man, I would want to be a, um, I would want to work in victim advocacy in the criminal justice field. What is your favorite restaurant? Ooh, um, I don't really have like a specific favorite restaurant, but I love Italian food. Can't go wrong with some pasta. <laughs> right. If you're on a deserted island and you can bring one movie, what is it? 
for getting Sarah Marshall? If anyone was to watch any matches of yours and you could only recommend one, what is it? Oh, man. Um, my street fight against Delilah Doom from Inspire Pro in Texas from 2015. I'm going to have to check that one out. I might do that it's, later tonight. It's on YouTube. It's yeah. on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining mm -hmm. us. Um, greatly appreciated. I'm glad to see that you're doing well. I'm glad to see that you're back at it, doing what you love to do. Um, hopefully soon, uh, in 2021, uh, we will get everything back up and running. I know Matt Jackson in St. Louis Anarchy is has one promotion right now that's had to cancel everything for the rest of the year. Uh, but hopefully you can start getting on some other shows uh, and get your get back in the groove a little bit. I think everybody yeah. in this world needs to get back in the groove right now. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. If you ever need anything from us, just give us a holler. And for everybody out there, uh, hopefully everyone is staying safe. Uh, we're still waiting on them election results. Uh, <laughs> so everyone, just stay tuned to your TV. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. And have a good night. Let's go. Brand new Lamborghini, a cop car. With a pistol on my hip like I'm a cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever met a